Just being earnest. Just being earnest. We're just still talking football. We're talking football. I just mean, I can pretty much talk whatever. That's mostly what I do: football, music, a little bit of TV, and take a nap. A lot of radio early in the morning, but other than that, take you a nap. You do, you do the radio nap. I can't do no matter how. I got a four month old baby and still can't take a nap. I ha- I've had to learn that when you wake up at three thirty in the morning, if you don't take a nap and you work until oh, ten yeah. or eleven o'clock at night. Oh yeah, you have to. I, that or I just get sick all the time. Yes, yes. Yeah, so I was actually I was curious this morning. I heard you on the radio. You you film live every morning, like a couple hours before. Is that the deal? Bef- what do you mean before? How did all right? So I've always wondered about live radio. It's not, is it live or is it pre-recorded that day? Oh no, it's never pre-recorded that day. The good thing about radio, as opposed to any of the TV stuff that I do, is that it's live. It happens. It's then over. It's good and then bad because sometimes I say stuff that gets me in trouble and I can't edit it. Yeah, because I just you know yes, I wished I did or didn't say whatever I said. Uh, but then it's done. Where if I go and we're shooting American Idol or we're doing my show Breaking Bobby Bones, we have sometimes we'll shoot two hours for a, a two minute scene. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's like, God dang, man! Yeah. Like, so radio is still my favorite thing to do. But now radio to me isn't just you know what comes through the satellite into the car. You know, right. so much of what I do is if it happens on the phone, if it's a podcast, if it's streaming, that's all. That's radio to me. Yes. But live radio. What you heard this morning, whatever it was, it was live. Yeah, that that's a scary place for me to be live because I, I say too much sometimes. You know, I think you learn pretty quick that, well, I've had to come up through the ranks though, right? Like yeah. I've said all the dumb, I mean, I got fined a million dollars once. Uh, I've been in every kind of trouble you could possibly be in. But the longer you do it, the more you realize what works and what doesn't. Yeah. Um, Knowing you your audience. Sometimes. You know, I don't know that that's always my best trait is knowing my audience and playing to an audience. Yeah, I guess. Um, I mean, I wasn't, I definitely wasn't welcomed into this town for years. When did you come here? 13. 2013. Yeah. I mean, I was the the evil guy that wasn't country that, you know, everything that people scream at everyone about for country music. And it, it wasn't for four or five years until I started to be kind of embraced here. Nashville needed that though. Looking back... Sure, that's easy to say. Yeah. But it's tough when you're the person that not only does Music Row hate, and listen, I'm not beloved all that Music Row now, but that Music Row hated because I didn't have a cowboy hat, didn't wear a belt buckle. It was actually like, you don't have to, right. but play hip hop on my morning show. You know, I mean, this is before that kind of started to be a thing. Yes. And I was getting shoved every direction, but in a good way. And, you know, I, magazine articles were being written about me in the industry about how I was. You know, the worst thing to happen to the format ever. It's just funny how cyclical things are because sure. it happens with artists now, too. Yes. Um, but it was tougher for, for, for years and years for me now. And then they started to clone other shows like mine. And then you start to go, OK. Now we're, it's working. I told you guys it would work. Yeah. But, you know, that's where we are now. And now I just stay sleepy. Yeah. Well, you you work a lot. And I don't know if you know about me. I grew up here in Nashville and on all different genres of music and like I'm a hip hop head. Rap was actually my first genre and I use my rap background writing now in country. But uh, yeah, in 2014 when I was presenting that stuff to publishing houses, trying to get a deal, I was looked at like, you know where you're at, but now every country artist has, it's all, it's well, it's just growing up in a time of everything's available to you. Meaning as you grew up as a kid, I grew up as a kid. I'm a little older than you, but I had Napster. Yep. And it was really the first time when we had the ability to have all kinds of music all the time. And that shaped us. Mm-hmm. We've talked about that a lot here, actually. Yes. The diversity yeah. that people are able to fill in their portfolio music that they choose to listen to because of the internet. And yes. 10 years before that, that wasn't the case. And those were the people, the 10 years, the 20 years before that, were the people that were making the decisions. The gatekeepers. Right? And so the gatekeepers at the time... There wasn't the ability to go, hey, I've been formed and shaped by all of these different things because they weren't and they didn't. And anything that wasn't like them, they weren't comfortable with. Right. It just took that generational fall one to to where now the guys that are running it were also shaped by the Internet. And so you're seeing the allowance of people that have those influences. Yes. Yeah, I love it. It definitely makes creating for me. I got a bigger field to play in. And like uh, I'm trying to think like. Sam Hunt obviously had a moment 
to break through with 808s and all that. I love getting to write traps and the Morgan stuff too. Like it's rap beats and we just throw country melodies over it. And then that, then now it's country music. Man, when Sam started, I I hadn't seen because I mean that was fifteen maybe. I'm guess I'm terrible with the years. It was around fifteen. When Sam, right for Montevello or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When Sam started, and you know, I remember Sam playing. Uh, what's the video game place here with two names? Dick and Tracy's, Ron and John's, Dave and Buster's. Dave and Buster's. There you go. <laughs> nice. So I remember Sam playing that, and three months later he exploded, and half of. Everything I was seeing was he's the worst thing to happen to country music. And the other half was the opposite of that. It's the greatest thing I've ever heard. Yes. But you got to have those. I, you know, I did a TikTok pretty recently because the, the most annoying thing to me, I mean, the most annoying thing, it's the people that go, well, that ain't country. Yeah. It's, right. I mean, I, it's the dumbest thing to me, too, because as you look back generationally, I consider myself, um, you know, someone who has studied country music because I grew up, my grandmother was massive in the 50s and 60s country because she, she adopted me for a long time. And it was really the only musical influence I had forever. Mm-hmm. And so um, I love to read a lot about country music and where it came from. And I, I did this TikTok about that where there were certain things like the drums, the drums. That's not country. And they were getting the Sam Hunt treatment, the yeah. drums. They weren't allowed on the Opry stage. Yeah. And then you could just simplify it. And the, the argument that I get into when I get into that ain't country, just the most country person ever, Garth Brooks, who I'm lucky enough now to have a relationship with. Mm-hmm. Like as a kid, Garth Brooks was the freaking man. It's Garth. Yeah. I mean, it's the biggest and, and baddest dude in, in music. And I would talk to Garth privately and I would go, you know, they're doing this stuff to... Sam, they're doing this stuff to insert nine or 10 other artists here. He was like, man, they did this to me. He said, not only, you know, did I come to town and, you know, I was saying I was influenced by journey and sticks. He goes, first of all, you weren't supposed to say you were influenced by things that weren't country. Secondly, I was doing a stage show like kiss. Yeah. He said, people kept telling me I'm not country. You know, Marty Stewart and Travis Tritt did a tour in the nineties. It was like the no hats tour. They didn't wear cowboy hit. That was sacrilegious to this town. Yeah. So my only point with all of that is whenever you hear somebody say that ain't country, like that ain't a smart person, because although it may not end up being what ends up in that country sphere, if it weren't for people pushing us along as a format, we'd stay in the same spot and we would die because anything artistically that sits in the same spot dies. And if you want to just die on that, which by the way, you're not right either because country music came from Africa and Europe. Correct. Like, that's it. And it came in two different ways. Yep. And what you're calling country now was a later iteration of country music, which later became what they would call hillbilly music in the hillbilly charts. Yes. Anyway, as you can see, I'm very passionate about the idiots that go, that ain't country. I I agree. I am too. I mean, I've never even gotten to articulate it that well before because it's usually just like, well, I don't care. I'm still, I'm still writing it. (laughs) Well, you know, know, but it's such a good point because it is every, like even... Hank Jr. Now it's like, if it ain't Hank, it ain't dank. But it's like Hank Jr. was What's bullshit same. to people when he started. He was, and people were like, that. this attitude, his his was attitude. His attitude is not country. Until he was so big, then that was what was country. Yes. So anytime anyone says that ain't country, they just haven't either been around the format long enough, or they're not smart enough to know that every Johnny Cash, you could go through, I'm done going through the list because... Yeah, no, everybody. Yes, every, everyone. Every, every Literally everyone that's ever, yes. Every monumental artist has pushed the envelope. That you have to, yeah. and I'm proud they do. And sometimes you get pushed in wrong directions, and it turns out, hey, that wasn't what country ended up being. Yeah. But we need things to stretch it in different directions. Yes. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, mo- big moments, if they don't end up changing the genre forever, they do in a way, but like the Trojan horse, because, you know, Exhibit A knocks down the wall, and then there's a whole new yard to play in for for the rest of them. Dare, I, dare I say, Bro Country had a uh, Bro Country was country music, and now it's, right. it's not like just a band being Bro Country. It's what we sing about a lot now. That 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 is true. It's <laughs> it's tough for those guys to get out of that label now too. It and it's not the best label. It sucks. <laughs> yeah, because I have some friends that some that are, you know are, are considered that. Yes, and we they all have those friends, and they hate it, and and they try every freaking thing possible. But then they still put a couple of them on the record. Just, you know, just to keep... Just, just got, to I mean, we got to keep like, the fans. Like, like, I'm not bro country. But I'll put like two songs that still are, you yes. know, instead of like 13. So, yeah. but, um, you know, for me, that's been a big part of my Nashville journey is that now I just don't care. Yeah, that's a safe way to be. Yeah, now I just don't care. Um, so when you started doing radio, what, were you a country radio DJ or were you... A- no, I, I grew up in Arkansas and was a massive country music fan, but I started in hip hop and pop. 
Um, I did sport. I did a national sports show for a long time. I uh, did a national alternative show for a long time. I just I love that you were a hip hop radio DJ. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, in what played, year? Let's see. I started in ninety. Eight or ninety nine was a teenager. Were you slinging like Eminem? Oh yeah, yeah. Like, but Eminem became extremely pop. Sure, he was the first yes. real pop art rap artist that was pop. I mean, he had such a mega world moment. Nobody's really even. Can you? Oh, I wish I was this age when Eminem dropped the first time. It, so all, all of that, you know. But you know, growing up, I was in a town that was seg, and it still is. It's segregated. Where well, we have what they call the white quarters and the black quarters. Still, I mean, it's still. You drive there today. It's, it's called wi- that. It's wild. Yeah. And so, but I grew up on a lot of hip hop once I became 13 because that's what everybody in my town listened to. So it was yeah. like Q-Tip. It was, it was that generation of music, which then turned into, you know, Biggie and Snoop and all those guys. But at the same time, like I knew every freaking McGraw song. Yeah. And, and that was okay because no one judged you and call it and said, well, you got to be one or the other. Yes. I'm from Arkansas. They're like, cool. You love hip hop and you love country music great That's and then napster came and it was like well let me download every song that starts with a i don't care what format it is yes. i'm gonna go to sleep hit download ten thousand free songs and go to bed yes and so uh but no i i did hip-hop i did i did i've done it all i love that you, you're just saying where it, it doesn't matter when jelly roll was on the podcast he was saying the same thing he was like i grew up you can wear an eminem shirt one day or a young buck shirt one day and then a garth brooks shirt the next day we really do grow up on both of it i think like part of my my the intro song of my set is uh was it astronauts in the ocean feel like astronauts in the ocean yeah tiktok song i don't know it's for the kids i, <laughs> I mean I, maybe if you sang a little more no i couldn't do it right oh. now if i needed to uh hold on i did have a bullet point in my head what did you get fined a million dollars for well so i've been fined a couple suit or fine fine by the fcc God. um i've had some issues i used to get in a lot of trouble i mean i got here because of the trouble that i got in and wasn't able to be fired. I had different lawsuits against me, but I got fined a million bucks here in Nashville. Jeez. And so, well, and it was really stupid because I had done some things prior, like that, that got me in trouble with the law, but weren't a million dollar type fine. So when I finally, when this happened, I was in Dallas and I was touring, I was doing stand up, And so I was doing comedy that night. And so I had to fly to Dallas and work at a radio station there. And so they, I was working from a studio and I'm working remote and everybody else is here in Nashville, which we do all the time now because I travel a lot. And there was a, a World Series game. Maybe it was like game six. The Nationals was, Nationals were playing and there was a home run in like the eighth inning that was pretty much going to um, win the game. And right as the ball was flying over the fence the night before my show, it goes to one of those, this is a test of the emergency broadcast system. This is only a test. Right as the home run was being hit to mm. win the game. And so... I looked up one of those EAS alerts on YouTube and I dubbed it in and I was going to use it. And I was talking about it. I mean, it was a throwaway bit. Yeah. It was nothing revolutionary. It definitely wasn't worth a million dollar fine. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, I'm, you're watching the game. Your team's down three to two. You got a guy on first. Pah, it's back way back. And the, the, you know, and the, you don't even get to see the home run. So then I started doing other famous moments in history. And I would be like, all right, look, looks like the spaceship is going to land in three. This is a test. And so I started doing this. Yes. But this button that I pushed, again, was Ran just audio. was just taken off the Internet. Oh. Turns out, <laughs> and this is where the twist happens, turns oh, out a couple years prior, that was the alert for all hell is broken loose. Uh, from the White House. Oh, God. And so some of the EAS equipment had been updated around the country to change to a new tone. So when I played this tone, different radio stations and cities all across America started shutting down, just locking up. Because if you guys have like an ATTU verse or, or even the radio, it locks up. It goes, it sounds like a di- dial up, but whatever. You know, this is only a test. And then it has to finish and then go back to programming. And so I set it off. I don't even know anything about it. I'm working remotely. I just keep doing my show. Uh, and I'm, you know, the hour and a half has gone by. I get a call going, hey, something's happened. Atlanta, Detroit, all these cities are completely off the air. And I'm like, yeah, that sucks for them. I got to keep doing my show. They're like, no, you did it. And I was like, what? <laughs> no, it's you. So, so oh yeah, so we shut that. We had to shut our satellite down because since we're, uh, we have affiliates all over the country from, you know, West Coast all the way to, to the East Coast, we had to shut down our, our, our West Coast affiliates so it didn't hit 
Sacramento. It didn't hit Fresno. It didn't hit all, you know, Vegas. This is all shutting down. True. What I don't realize though is ATTUverse, for example, they have if the same signal, they're on it. It shuts down all of ATTUverse and throws it to a channel and goes, there's an emergency and keep watching this channel because you can't change it from it. And it was like that for like two hours. Oh my God. And it kept going so much so that it started busting out TV speakers as well because it kept going. So everything is going wrong at once. You only got fined a million dollars. Well, it was, it was actually going to be more than that. So, Oh my God. And I still don't understand just how big of a deal this is because I literally, I didn't do anything to cause any trouble. It was a dumb bit. It yeah. was it was not meant to cause trouble. I took it off the internet. Yeah. I took it off a site we use all the time yeah. for sound effects. And so uh, they're telling me what's happening, and I'm like, oh, man. And so a few couple weeks, months go by. I'm being interviewed. It's a lot of stuff that I probably shouldn't even say at, you know, at big attorneys. And I think the fine was going to be 5 to $6 million. But there was a radio station in California who had used – one of those similar sound effects in a weather promo going, we cover all the weather. <laughs> and they were fined like $30,000. Well, legend has it, our attorneys saw that, said you can't find this guy 30000 and then find us $5 million because do the math. And so they settled on a million dollars. And that's how I was finding a million dollars for something I didn't do on purpose. It's not a cool story. The most accidental, the incredible most. troll of mm-hmm. all time. Is that but, when you realized how much influence you had on radio in that moment? I hated having influence on radio at that moment. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I, that's when I didn't want it. I was yeah. like, wow, this sucks. Um, and they didn't fire me. That is when I realized. Was it an iHeart? Was this Yeah, it was here. Yeah, it was oh, same God, everything. Dude, that's crazy. It was, and they didn't fire me. And I thought, man, if they're not going to fire me over a million dollars, like I got, I got a little rope to play with here, yeah. you know. I, um, so, but that was that was scary, you know. There was another incident where the guy on my show, Lunchbox, went in, and um, I saw an old like '30s TV show where a guy was going in places with pantyhose on his head, and I said, "Hey, go in and buy some gum, and with pantyhose on your head, we'll see what happens." Well, I'll tell you what happens: the cops came, arrested him, put him a gun, held him at gunpoint on the ground, and we got kicked off the air for weeks, <gasps> like. That's what is there video footage of that though? God, I hope not. I don't know. I mean, he he got in his car, he bought gum, didn't do anything um, illegal. He bought gum and then they got him and held him a gunpoint on the side of the road because the guy hit the panic button and he should have. It was the dumbest thing we'd ever done. But I and I was like, well, I wonder what'll happen. Well, here's what happens. Oh my God. But so it's, it's, (laughs) (laughs) and those two times, it looking back. Yeah, looking back, <laughs> yeah. I could have gone south for lunchbox. It could have gone south for, for yeah, bad and, for him. And way more south for you too. Bad for, but it was God. um that 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 fine was a a dark time. Um, you know, when I first moved to Nashville, the first year or so, I I've never been so unwelcomed and treated like I I shouldn't and didn't deserve to be here just by the industry in general. Yeah. And I thought to myself, what can I do? Like, what in the world can I do to make people? I didn't care if they liked me. I just needed them to give me a shot because I felt like if they gave me a shot, they would like me. Yeah. I wasn't going to win anybody over by going, hey, please like me. And then they, that's just not how it works. But I needed people just to give me a shot. And so I still didn't, wasn't making much money then. Uh, but I, I, I called a guy that ran a billboard company here in town. And I said, hey, man. I'd like to buy a few billboards. And he's like, yeah, for what? I said, well, I need to buy it through a shell company and it can never be traced back to me. And I'm going to give you uh, some money and have you sign an NDA just to be quiet about it. Yeah. And he's like, all right. And so I bought three massive billboards in town here and they were white billboards and they said, go away, Bobby Bones. And that's all they said on them. I remember that. And to, to this guy's credit, the news called him, my company called him, people called, they, everybody tried to figure out who's putting up these billboards. And I put them up because I remember watching a, a Brian Bosworth documentary where the boss would go places and people hated his guts. He was a linebacker for Seattle, played mm-hmm. at OU. Um, but he was so flashy, people hated his guts. But he was a really smart guy. And he said, well, if people are going to hate me where I go, I'm going to sell um, I hate Brian Bosworth shirts outside of the games. And I was like, God dang, that's so good. Yes. And I was like, how can I use that to one, get people to pay attention to who I am or feel sorry for me or to just try to figure out who put them up? And so I spent over $10,000 on these billboards 
Yeah. There they are right there. Yes. And everybody wondered who put them up. People were like, you know, did Universal Records put them up? Did this artist put them up? Um, I didn't tell anybody. For years, my company was like trying to figure. They were investigating who put them up. We're on this, Bobby. Don't worry. It, well, yeah. And they were like, who do you <laughs> think? All our financial backing. I made a <laughs> list of people I thought it might have been. I was like, I would check this guy oh out. and this guy, Because I was so involved in making sure they didn't know it was me. And so... Steal the keys and help you look for them. In the end, we were covering it on my show. I sent my guy Lunchbox out who didn't know I was doing it, and he was covering. It. He was like, "I cannot." They're putting another one up, oh, and I was like, "Oh my god, I can't believe it!" Um, but I, it was me, and so I, until I wrote my oh. first book and I put it in there, no one knew. That's incredible. You're like, you're a troll of a different breed, dude. You're like pre. You're a little bit ahead of your time because I feel like that's exactly what Lil Nas X is doing right now. Just yeah. like, if you want, I mean, if you want to hate me, let's yeah. do it. Let's do it together. I'm going to get rich off of it. I feel like I just, and I, I still feel this way. Like I don't have enough talent to just go, okay, everyone's going to come and discover me because of my talent. I needed to create a conduit, whatever that was to get to me. So people could go, oh yeah. Cause I'm kind of an acquired taste anyway. People go, all right. I like it. Oh, oh I get it. Okay. No, I, I love it. Yeah. I need, I've always needed that because you just don't hear me once and go, that's my guy. Yeah. And so through my career, there have been those instances and that was one of them here, but that's when it all flipped too. Honestly, the billboard situation, because for years, nobody knew it was. And then once it came out that it was me, I took a few shots. There were a few artists that went on other radio shows and were bashing me pretty good. Lame. <laughs> That's lame. That's, uh, you got to give credit to that, though. It, it wasn't given, but that's okay because as you, we don't give, we're not given a lot of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, that's true. Good for you, though. I like your attitude of how you came and took over Nashville. Though. I don't feel like I took it over. I feel like I had to sneak in, and then while everyone was asleep, stole everything. That's what it feels like. Yeah, well, it never gets you there. Yeah, right. I like I, I got it still, but I feel like everybody had to go to sleep. Okay, good night. And then I, I opened my trench coat and just started sticking stuff in my pocket. Yes, that's that's a smart way to take over. Do it while they're sleeping. God, Bobby Bones. Thanks for coming on this podcast. By the way, I was just saying I started this podcast just a little over a year ago in my bedroom when COVID started. And it's grown a good bit. My last guest on here was John Daly, fellow Razorback. He, John Daly and I text a little bit. We're both massive Hog fans. Uh, he came he, he came to, in down to uh, do something, and write, he was writing a little bit. And my producer, my comedy partner, when we play on the road, um, we do music, Raging Idiots. Eddie goes, hey, I just read, wrote a song with John Daly. And I was like, wait, what? He goes, yeah, he, I, I was gone doing something. He goes, hey, he called and wrote a song on his bus. And he, sm he smoked cigarettes the whole time, and we finished. We had a song. Yes. And I was like... Wait, I text with John Daly about once a week, and I actually never met him. And he comes in town, and you ride a song with him, and he's like, yeah, he's the greatest guy ever. He is the coolest dude. We have an ongoing joke that he's my dad. Because uh, <laughs> I was I was adopted in 92, and we met each other um, at Old Hickory, the golf club, like just about a year ago. And I'm sitting there hitting balls, and I'm wearing a pair of loudmouth pants. His brand. Pants. Yeah. yeah. And uh, at the time, I had a bullet, like straight cut across the front, dripping in the back. And Colt Ford was there, and he was like, hey, J.D. will be here in a minute. And it didn't register at first until he comes down on his Razorback uh, golf cart wearing the short versions of the pants I'm wearing, same color shirt, and we're like, Dad? And he's like, son? <laughs> that was it? That's when yeah. you realized it? Immediately. The first picture I have <laughs> taken with him, Kid Rock took. Kid Rock was like, do you all know each other? And daily, without missing a beat, he's like, this is my strange son. And he goes... Uh, his mother had him in 92. I met his mother in the summer of 91. And so, yeah, he's my dad in my phone is what his name is. That's funny. Yeah. What do you got? You golf a lot? I used to. Yeah, I mean, yes, yes. I I suck, and it sucks because I, I practice a lot, and I still suck. And I keep thinking there's going to be someone who can fix me. Listen, I've, I've had work with Jake a little bit. I've I've hired people. I have a track man at the house. Yeah. And I still can't. Lucky. Yeah. I still can't get it. You break a hundred? Oh yeah. Oh, well, that means <laughs> we can. Oh, you're one of those. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not one of those. I'm one of those to where I, if I go out and I'm feeling it, I'll shoot at 83 or 84, right? Yeah. But but I will go out and I will shank seven in a row and go. I can't fit. I literally can't figure out my body. My yeah. I, something in my hands or my shoulders is not working. 
and I cannot get it. And I'll grind all the way through around yeah. and go home and be sad for days. Hate the sport. Yeah. But I can't get sport. it to where I, I can practice all the time. and still can't get to be even pretty good when everybody here is pretty freaking good. Country, yeah. The, this group of country music artists feel like everybody and writers quarantine got everybody golfing and, uh, Old Hickory is just like every day if there's a group text, it's like, oh, I got tea times. Well, most of us are back out on the road and riding now, and it's like sad. It was right. the summer that summer finally ended. I look forward to tour for golfing in different states. I've never golfed outside of Tennessee. And how has that been? How's it been back out on the road a little bit? Awesome. People are pumped for, to be at shows. Yeah. You know, festivals is all I've really done. We did a couple things here, but the festival crowds are like, Roaring. I was surprised because we did two festivals. Um, I threw them myself. They were called Bobby Fest, one in Kansas and one in Texas. Yeah. And it was me and oh, we had Russell Dickerson open up for us, Maddie and Teo uh, before Russ. And then we had a side stage with like six or seven new artists in town that I really like. And like people were just aching to get to anything. They, it was noon and it was 100 degrees in Texas and there were people everywhere. Yeah. Just because they just hadn't had that in so long that they were. Uh, willing to be de dehydrated yes, to sit there and watch an artist that they'd never heard of or maybe never been exposed to until that day. They just wanted to hear music. Yeah. I hope that I, I hope a little bit of that stays from now on. Like don't know what you got till it's gone. Live shows being gone. I feel like people are going to keep wanting to go to shows. I just hope that COVID restrictions don't keep us, take us back again. You know, I think this year, obviously is going, I think next year is going to be a bit dicey back and forth. You're just going to, mm. it's just going to be and depending on the state you live in. And it's probably going to be another year or so before everything is just butthole open. Yes. Yeah. And when it is, you know, great. But I think it's because of the different areas and different, it's almost like different countries now, different parts of uh, America. And That's so a good point. Yes, it is. So yeah. um, some places you're going to be able to play shows all the time. And some, you're, you, you know, you're going to have a some like, uh, what did I see? Maybe in California. I'm not sure the state here, but over 10,000 uh, Washington state, because I Washington just did some stuff um, for Seattle or affiliate up there. Over 10,000, you can now have it, but you got to wear a mask if it's over 10,000. And so there are new little rules coming in all these different places. Yeah. But whatever the rule is, go for it. I just want there to be music. I just want there to, to there to be able to. To be able to have events, yes, because I think we're we're all go, we're all going crazy. Yeah, it's important and sporting events like people need to be in the stands for sporting. It, it just it's different. It feels like a practice game without fans. Now I did not run onto the field when Arkansas beat Texas a couple weeks ago, um, and I went to the game. It was awesome. And I haven't have I haven't had COVID. I was lucky. I I hid because I was shooting my Nat Geo show right. for such a long time. And if I got sick, the whole show shut down. Right. So I just hid in my house and did radio from the house and then would fly out and be on set for a few days, shoot an episode, do the same thing. So I was very careful, never got COVID, um, got vaccinated. I think I'm a me medical miracle because in Arkansas during that game, I mean, there's no COVID. Everybody, has, I mean, I feel like there's COVID everywhere. Yes. Yeah. Nobody cares. They're just, yeah. I, I got COVID. How's your day going? Yeah. I didn't get it then. I feel like I'm never going to get it. Like Fauci should study me or yes. whomever's going to study me. Yeah. Somebody should study me because I never got it. And there's no way I was at that game in Arkansas. We were in an elevator 20 deep sometimes crammed in. You were all around. No COVID. masks. Yeah. We were just making out. It was like this, a seventies nightclub. Everybody's making out with each yeah. other. Yeah. And, and I still didn't get it. I'm feeling pretty good about that. I'm be honest with you guys. Feeling you should feel good about. that. I didn't run on the field though. That's my point. Everybody was running on the field, and I was like, you know what? I've tested my limits, but I'm not going out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that you would have got. He said, "What's your blood type?" Does that? Matter? I have no idea. I just found out that like O positive. O positive that hasn't had it or has. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I should know that about myself. I should too, and I have no idea. I know that probably I got high cholesterol. I know I got that type of blood. I know dangerous. that my cholesterol is too high for this age. Do you know your blood type? I have no idea. How are we all supposed to be semi-educated people? Is I, that supposed to be on our license, or is that just say you can take I mean, my I, organs? I, I only know because I was in the military. And you had to know in the military? Oh, yeah. What are you? Uh, positive. Yeah, you try to be. Did you guys have COVID? <laughs> yeah, I had. How, I, was it bad for you? I only lost taste and smell. You did lose taste and smell? Yeah, and I still feel we, we were going to have Kurt makes a bad cop Kurt curb street on the other day <laughs> yeah. and we ended up losing the interview because he was right in the middle of something. But he, um, I think it's been a year, still no taste and smell. 
Like things that, taste different for me. I have taste and smell, but things just taste different. Like I don't like Chick Fil A anymore. No, that hurts. Coffee tastes different to me. I don't like it as much. See, I would like to, if uh. I were to get it, and I lost taste. To me, I feel like for a bit that would be a blessing, because then I, I would because me, I want to eat sugar all the time. I love candy. I can't get enough. Get your get your diet going. Yeah. at that point. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I could put an M M&M and M shell around a piece of grilled chicken and be like, mmm, just a, this is yeah. good. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like did that. Did you lose your taste at all, ever, early? Yeah. Oh, all the way? Yeah. And did you do that? Did you feel like, it doesn't matter what I eat, so I'm just going to eat clean? No. I did the opposite. Chick only broth? Why would you do the opposite? Well. <laughs> if you don't, if, if there's no taste, I, like, I'm generally asking. Oh, well, I I drank a good bit, because it was like alcohol would just. That I get. Because it was like, I, I remember the second I realized I didn't have smell or taste, I was denying that I felt like I had a cold or whatever. Like, ah, just, And then Delaney was chopping up garlic, and I was like, she was like, do you have your smell? I was like, yeah, I have my smell. And she held the garlic in front of my nose. I was like. I don't know, but can I ever really smell garlic? She's like, take a bite out of this. I took a bite out of this. I was like, nothing, <laughs> nothing. So I grabbed the whiskey and I was like, wow, I feel like Iron Man. It was like, it, Is nothing. That so weird. Was it it so was weird? really weird because I love taste. I love food. I love experiencing eating. And that was, that was really, it was only probably like five or six days. And I got, oh, that's it. Yeah. It wasn't a long time for me at all, which you're I, back full. Like everything's back normal. Yeah. I mean, as normal as I'm going to get, sure. but I definitely, I was not like a two week couldn't smell or taste thing. It, it the was only a, good thing that came out of it wow. was I I haven't smelled a fart since I had COVID. There's mine the, or other people's. Really? Yep. I wonder if it's That's because true. you know how um, like animals, humans, we have like cones in our eyes. We have different different ways to see things. Like um, a dog can see things we can't because the cones in their eyes are, are different. I like. I wonder if like something with your nerves is now just different to yeah. where you're able to. Like, what if you can smell drugs now? And we take you to the airport. <laughs> I'm the dog. And the, yes. And, like, you're you're the one that's like, all right, sniff around. Which one of the... I feel like I got that cone. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I've been had that cone. Which one of you motherfuckers has the one shit? Of you got, I know one of you got Or, like, does that get passed on to my kids? Are my kids not, like, chicken or eggs or... You know what I mean? Like, is that... That's gonna... wild that's different. Yeah. And, and Eddie, again, my best friend who... We, we do music comedy stuff together. He His was gone for, like, three months all taste and has some of his smell back. But I just thought if that happened to me, I'd be so ripped because I would only eat the, I don't drink. So that wouldn't be a thing for me. Right. But so I would only eat grilled chicken and vegetables because why would I eat anything else? Yeah. Yeah, you're if right. I get COVID that would be this conversation. Logical. I'm blaming you guys <laughs> yeah, for would. sure. You, you can blame Jelly or John Daly two weeks ago. He's the last one that talked into that microphone. I don't think Daly has COVID. This podcast is brought to you by Raising Cane's Chicken Fingers. They got canes all over the place. Most importantly, they are coming to Nashville in 2022. I'm pretty stoked about that. Love me some canes, Texas toast, uh, fries. I mean, it's all good. The dipping sauces. Jeez. There's a lot of chicken places in Nashville, but canes is going to come and stir things up. I already know it. Uh, Nashville listeners, if you've never had canes, you don't know. I mean, you just don't know what you're, you're missing out on. You've had good chicken, but you haven't had great chicken. Uh, right now, I think they have one in Knoxville, South Carolina. Whoa, whoa, Knoxville, Tennessee, right on UT's campus. Southern California, I read that as South Carolina, maybe one day. Uh, all around Arizona. Let's see, across all over Texas. Uh, and the list goes on. McCain's was actually born in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I knew that. Shout out, Todd. I don't know who Riley is, but apparently some dude named Riley is going to say, maybe that's why they're so good at football. They were raised on the best chicken. You're right, Riley. Um, whenever I see them post on social media, I sit there and I think, why is my mouth tingling like this? And then I remember it's because I'm looking at Kane's chicken fingers. Every time I go to Kane's, people just treat me with such good hospitality. Uh, it's because they got it figured out. And, you know, I did see that they were hiring. You know, if this music thing doesn't work out, I could see me probably just getting a job at Kane's because I know they're hiring. Should we record another episode from Canes? Probably. We should do an episode at a Canes for sure. Okay. All right. Back to the pod. Um, you brought up uh, you brought up your TikTok earlier. Mm-hmm. You've been going balls to the oh, wall. Oh yeah, your recently. TikTok's been lovely it's been lately. Pretty bro. controversial, which I think is awesome. Mostly because I've been bored. Like this is the trouble with me. If I'm not shooting a show and exhausted all the time, I get back to the person who gets in trouble because I'm just like, <laughs> let me just kind of let me just push some things. Yeah. You know, let me see. I got it. Yeah. I got. You can ask me about it. But go ahead. The number one. Mm. The number one song 
rant that you kind of went on. Can you kind of talk about that a little bit? Here's the truth about number one songs on the radio. It's basically politics. They trade them out like baseball cards. A record label will talk to another record label and go, okay, I'll give you this number one on this date. You give me that number one on that date. Which really it just should be the song that's the most wanted, the most listened to, the song that people demand. That should be the only number one song. Uh, for example, like Luke Combs could be number one for 10 weeks. But because of politics, the label will go, ah, let's let somebody else get in that spot. And they'll move Luke Combs to number two, and he'll sit there for a few weeks. Same thing with like a Marin Morris. And so when you hear someone talk about a number one song, I would say half of them aren't legitimate number one songs. They have to be good to get to the top ten. There's a lot of research done into these songs. But when it gets to being a number one song, it's just people going, okay, I'll give you this, you give me that. And it's everybody trying to create as many number ones as possible because everything's the same. Everybody gets a participation trophy at number one. What is happening? By the way, this is Just Being Earnest is the name of the podcast. Well, so you it's something that I've one. talked about on my radio show literally for years, right? And I think what's cool about that is that I'm, I've now been privy to conversations that is actually changing that culture a little bit. Yeah. I um, mean, the TikTok is still up. Nobody made me take it down. Um, nobody asked me to take it down. I got in a lot of trouble. You can go see it. It's Mr. Bobby Bones. But what's great is, is that right now I'm actually in conversations that that doesn't happen as much because we're not going to see revolution. We are going to see evolution mm. in this happening. But if I come on and talk a whole lot of crap about the industry right now, which I would, I think I'm going to lose my footing in this when I, people are actually listening to me right now. Right. It's, it's wild. It, that costs so much controversy that I was like, hey, how come in other formats, number ones are there for like 14 weeks? Not here. Hmm. Eh, something doesn't... That being said, it's been pretty cool because now I think you're going to see some small changes mm -hmm. that will lead to songs that should be number one longer. Be number. You know who's getting screwed right now is Walker Hayes. Yes. It's the most consumed song anywhere, all the time, every second. You don't even have to like it. You can hate Applebee's. It don't. It doesn't matter. Genre, it's hanging in Just there, right there. Look at the data. Yeah, like that song should probably be there for six or seven weeks. But it on a chart right now. It's like like a play chart. So like number thirteen or sixteen. I'm not even sure. I don't. You know, I didn't look this up. On the all genre, it's number six today. Huh? But Billboard, it's in the it's in it's in the top ten. Yeah, yeah. On the Billboard Hot 100. Oh, but you're yeah, you're saying, but on country, it's nowhere to be Not found. Even, yeah, I think it's like 13, 23, something like that. Yeah. Luke Combs has songs that should be sitting up there like the old Brooks and Dunn songs used to yeah. for seven weeks, for nine weeks. That's not happening now, but I swear to God, times are changing. So you think there's a you think there's a five or six week run in somebody coming up in the next year or two? Yeah, I do. I do, and I and I hate to be the one to go. Well, maybe we do this again in two years, you and I. And I'm like that freaking TikTok is what, <laughs> yeah, what, what kind of, not changed everything, but what allowed me to get into a room and go, hey guys, hey, get your heads out of your butts. I know we're all handing out handshakes here, right? But how about the person that actually wins, win? Yes, and they should keep winning until someone beats them. Yeah, and it's a, it is tough. <clears throat> it's tough for it to for people to you know, get number ones that way and it not feel like a participant, like everybody gets a trophy trophy type thing. And as, as songwriters too, we have, I guess what's, we got dogs in that fight. I mean, these are our, the, the songs we write are our babies and it sucks sometimes to see politics taken over from, from number ones. I could also understand how cool it is to have a number one just because you benefited from that as well. I'm not saying either side is benefiting more or less. My only point was, this doesn't seem right. Yeah. Like, how come these songs are number one for a week and then they're not? And so, but I do believe, much like years ago, I wrote in my first book, I was the guy that was standing up going, hey, if we're not developing females in, you know, at, at the A&R level, you can't expect radio to play females. They're just, right. they weren't offering them. Right. Labels weren't developing them. They didn't have as many that they were pushing. And I'm like, guys, Again, we're not going to revolutionize anything, but we can actually change the culture. Mm -hmm. And now you're starting to, to see that. Shout out Lainey Wilson. Yes, number who, one, number this, one this week. I love her. And it's taken weeks or years and years to do this, but it was because people made a conscious decision to go, we can't change it today. And we're going to get beat up for the next few years because of the bad decisions we made yeah. for many years leading up to this. Yeah. 
But if we want to see a change, you got to plant the seeds now. And that happened with females. It's going to happen with, I think, a more fair system of, you know, how songs are number one. And then also at this point, who cares? Yeah. You know, songs get the songwriters are the people now that I feel like need to be focused on because Spotify's playing your music. You ain't getting crap. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not just taking shots at Spotify, but you know, you know, that's what I was on listening over. The, just the str- You guys are not getting paid. You p- get paid basically the same for being a background singer as you do a songwriter. Correct. Yeah. And then the nineties, like the nineties songwriters, you get an album cut on a Brooks and Dunn, like, you could probably fly private somewhere. Right. Like, you know, and now you get an album cut on an album. Like if you had an album cut on the biggest album of the year, maybe five grand comes back to right. you for writing. Yeah. I would like to see other writers be able to have something to build on. Cause it definitely would make it easier to get up and come do this every day, all day. If you get felt like there's just a little pat on the back for you. You know what I think helps to songwriters. I'm a, I'm a big songwriter advocate. Um, is when art major artists release a couple songs at a time because they're treated like singles uh, digitally by, by consumers. Mm-hmm. When you put out a 12, 13, 14 track record, I'll, I'm guilty of this too, even with my favorite artists. I don't spend that much time with every song. Mm-hmm. But if my favorite artist or if an artist I like a lot puts out a couple of songs, I don't feel like it's too much. Yeah. I'm like, I'm, I can spend a decent amount of time with that one song. But the pop guys do this all the time. Pop guys and pop girls. Yes. They'll put out a new song every three weeks. Yeah. And because it's a new song, everybody feels like it's a new song. Let me go listen to it for a while. And it may never be a single. Yeah. But it still is going to get playlisted. It's still going to get. And so that actually helps the songwriters as well. I think that is happening more in country now with regular drops. I know that we're working on doing that here at Big Loud. And then you can make it a whole record later. I mean, Urban does that. He'll put out six or seven singles. Yes. And, and then, then go, okay, here's album. my 10-track record. And we're like, oh, we've, we already know most of these, and the, there are four new ones with it, and, well, now we get to see these. Yes. I know that that's, like, that's my release plan coming out was is just, like, Seth and I were talking more content instead of... The, I am a music... I consume albums. I've always liked albums, but me too. From my, but I only like albums from my favorite favorite people. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I'm not gonna a new artist. I'm probably not gonna get. And if they're dig. cohesive, and yeah, it's, and it's not just. You know what I think about in. albums now? I would like to see um, albums, concept albums. Yeah. Instead of somebody just going, here's 14 songs. It's my most personal record ever. God dang it, if I hear that one more time. Yeah. That's everybody that wants. Lo- it's my most personal project ever. Yeah. Yeah. You got to hear all those. All, all, all. I'm going to do, time. I'll do a TikTok yeah, eventually yeah, of all yeah. the cliches yeah, that I hear. Five of those. Golly. <laughs> um, and so, uh, but a concept album, you go, well, I wonder what's next in this. I want to figure, keep figuring this out. Or this is just me, the consumer, not me, the person that works in the industry. Yeah. The consumer goes, give me a couple songs. Give me two or three songs. I can spend some time with them. Or like, give me a concept piece that I'm like intrigued by actually what the whole project is because, and I'll use an artist I really like and not mean them, but I'm, I'm good friends with John Party, So I'll use him as an example. Yeah. If John puts out 12 songs and they're just 12 songs, I'm like, I mean, I'll listen to the John Party songs, but I don't know that I'm going to keep going back and exploring them if they're just 12 random songs that they're only putting in order because one goes fast, then one goes medium, then one goes slow, then one goes fast again. Yeah, that's how you pick it. Yeah. <laughs> sounds like how you pick an album. And by player. the way, that's not about John. I no, only I use know, him because I know, I know John's not going to get pissed if I, if I talk about him. I know that. Um, but like, I love, I love Casey's album. Casey's good about that with concept pieces, I believe. Uh, is she, she's still country music? Is it country? Sure. Is we I think we are. Listen, I, I think <laughs> when you ask that first, I think, okay, what would the critics say? Because for me, all country music is, is having a message, being authentic, having a story, saying your country, representing. Yeah. I don't really care. You yeah. know, I don't think you need a, I mean, a certain instrument. I mean, the first time they amplified the steel guitar, people said, that's not country. You're putting an amplifier on a steel guitar. You're out of your mind. So, yeah, now you can't. Now that's the instrument you got to put sure. on the song to make it country. Yeah, and so um, I actually think this hour is more. Excuse me, this album is more country than Golden Hour was. Mm. Not significantly. I don't think you hear a lot of banjo or mandolin in there, and what people what people would consider. But I do think this album feels a little more country. Yeah, I mean, like Good Wife is, for example, that song. It's a great song. Yeah, I mean, that sounds like an old Tammy Wynette song. Yeah. I'm just trying to be a good wife. Yeah. You know? I'm just, so you go, 
message? Does this sound like a country song? Like someone telling their truth? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Not someone who, no offense to songwriters who write uh, melody first, because I know that's a thing, but is it someone who just had a melody and then put words on it that matched? Yeah, yeah. You know, I think country music is actually telling a story. Now, yes. you can do that by being a melody writer, too. And so don't you guys don't hit me on that. No, no, no. <laughs> give them a break. But yeah, give, give the, and by the way, everything I'm saying could be wrong here. I don't stand by anything I ever say. That's how, yeah. <laughs> Nothing That's I've said do I stand by. And I could change it any minute. Yeah. Um, but I think this this album, if for the critic, is actually a little more country than the last one. But I don't think she's trying to go, hey, look at me, I'm country, or look at me, I'm right. pop. She's just going, I'm putting out music. Yes. And I like it. That's what I love about her. Like, if I could model anything after her and like visual creatively, I, I have always loved this. Why the same reason I love lemonade and Beyonce dropped that, like you got to watch the album unfold. That doesn't happen as much. I feel like a lot of country music videos are the same video. I love when a short, like a short film music video, if you've been in music videos, you ever been in a music video? I don't think so. Do you want to be? I don't think so. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think you do either. No. I don't th- I don't, at this point, I'm lucky enough to not have a lot of extra time. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And I don't think I'm going to be, you know, running out to be extra number three in a bar scene of a video. <laughs> Hurry up and wait. Yeah. Hurry up and wait. Um, no, I was going to ask you about comedy because I've become friends with comedians in town. And it's funny, the musician and comedian relationship. How... How difficult is a, you do like 60 minutes up there? Yeah. Well, uh, pro- if I'm doing a 60 minute set, it's probably 45 minutes of stand up and 15 minutes with my guitar. God, 45, like five minutes seems like a really long time to do stand up. It is until you, it, it is, right? It yeah. is. Um, and at first it always is because you're going up there with material that you don't know works I, because you can, it's not like a song where if I'm going to sit and play one of my dumb songs, I can practice it in my room. Mm-hmm. My room, like I'm 12. My house. <laughs> I, did, I did just picture you like... Yeah, me too. I flashed back until I was like 12. Go to my room. Go to my yeah. room. <laughs> um, I can't just practice it, but what I can't... I can, I can just practice music. With comedy, you can't. Right. You can memorize a joke, but until you're out with people, you don't know if it's good or not. Yeah. And so you kind of have to go out and go, okay... I'm going to expose myself and let's just see if if you care or you like it. Uh, For me, it's been difficult because I did, I think, 12 minutes at the Opry. I did a full comedy set at the Opry a couple weeks ago, and it was mostly new material. But I had a couple in my back pocket that I knew worked in case the new stuff didn't work because I haven't been able to practice it anywhere. Right. And so what I did is I went up and I have all this new stuff. And the first joke that bombed, I was going to go right back to one that I know works. Yeah. And so luckily, about 80% of it worked. But it's a weird time for me because I'm not out on the road touring comedy. And so to getting in a rhythm, that's a big part of it. Yeah. And even the rhythm part, it's just knowing if it's funny. Yeah. Because I may go, this is a funny joke. I've told jokes that, God dang, if I'm at home, I'm like, I'm laughing as I'm typing. I'm like, oh man, they're probably going to have a standing ovation in this joke. Like, they're going to laugh so hard, they're going to have to stop and just stand <laughs> this is a up. Career changer. Yeah, for I the should boy. probably just sit there. The special is going to be yeah. named after this joke. Yeah. And then I tell it. And people don't even know it's a joke. They think it's just, a, I'm not even done with this. Not even over their head. It's just not good. <laughs> just right in front of them on the floor. Yeah. Just, oh, oh, God. Oh. And, and then there are times where I just have some little throwaway comment that I'll hear a laughter and I'll, and I'll go, they think that was funny and I'll make a mental <laughs> note and I'll do it again. And then I'll just kind of expound on that yeah. in the next set. And so a lot is found through just being there, yeah. not able to be there a lot. And the Opry's weird too because... A lot of out-of-towners and a lot of old people. That's a rough crowd. I would think the Opry's a rough crowd. It's the hardest crowd because, one, they don't always know they want any comedy. Like, they came to see some music. They want to catch a couple stars. They want to watch the dancers. Um, I love the Opry, but it's it's the most difficult show for me because there's probably a quarter of the audience that has no idea who I am. Mm. You know, it's not I'm not Carrie. Yeah. And so they're like, okay, next up. Bobby Bones, and they don't know if like a guy's gonna walk in a pirate outfit yeah. or what or, or what's <laughs> about to happen. Suit. Yeah, they have no idea. Yeah, so I walk out and I have to win them quick, but I can't really do pop culture jokes at the Opry. Yeah, because everybody's pop culture is different. Yeah, you have a sixty-five-year-old grandma and you have a seventeen-year-old that's there as well, but you ain't gonna get them both with any sort of reference yep. on something that's happening, you know, in, in pop culture or in any period of pop culture. Yeah. 
So that's that, that's the hardest the hardest set to do. Yeah, that would be tough. The new material nights at Zanies. Do you do you ever mm-hmm. never done it? I get yeah. killed. No. I, <laughs> yeah. Here's here here's what I was able to do. I was able to do comedy music, sell out theaters, and open for myself. And the opening for myself doing comedy while I was playing comedy music. And so that's where I grew. I was able to grow with my own people. Yes. That were very forgiving and very loving for me. Because they were fa- they were already fans. They were already fans. Yeah. And they, they give you the first 15 minutes for free. Yeah. Like they're going to laugh at stuff for a minute. Yeah. Um, it's when they don't laugh, but that's when you know you earn it. And for me, that's the point I need to get to now when I perform. Yeah. To people that aren't fans of me. I love that first time they don't laugh because I know everything after this is real. Yes. I Everything that I do after the point where you guys aren't laughing, I can now write in my notebook as a good joke. Yes. And so some shows, when I go out, and if it's a theater that I've done myself, oh, they're just getting fluff for a while. Yeah. Because I don't, I really want to know if stuff is working. And if I have something, I'm like, I wonder if this joke is good. I can't tell it until about 40 minutes in because I need them to be almost fatigued. Yes. Because when they're almost fatigued, they'll be very honest with you. Yes. Yeah, that's um, practicing comedy. I hadn't really thought of that because all day my ADD mind, like I, I might have a premise or a punchline come up. Do you do you sit down, like are driving ideas come to you? You make a note, conversation. I mean, I'll read. I mean, yeah, I have let's to, hear some. Let's hear some. Tell a joke. Yeah, <laughs> I said something to Delaney yesterday. I was in the car and it was just be quirky. funny, funny yeah, guy. Be funny. <laughs> I just said, uh, what is it with male men? It seems redundant. <laughs> okay, so the, the that's, that's about the reaction. That's <laughs> yeah, that's right there, a quick chuckle. Okay, now what? You're gonna understand this as as a songwriter because sometimes you put ideas in that make no sense, and it's not a good song when you write it down. And, and but it's just for me, I have a couple notes. It literally says joke ideas. Yeah, yeah. Full jokes I already have on a piece of paper that I'm working on. Oh, this is so. I'm. I mean, I am being on, vulnerable as I can now. possibly be. Just be. Just be in there. So I I was at the Arkansas game and. I was I was watching the fan cam go around to people, and this is not a joke. I'm just telling you guys this. Uh, guys, this is really vulnerable here that I'm doing this. <laughs> yeah, but that's okay. Fun. This is good. So you know, how the fa- like when you're watching the fan cam and everybody's just like not even knowing they're on camera and they're just sitting there like this, and all of a sudden they see themselves on camera and they're like, and they turn into like the happiest freaking person in the world. Yes. And so to me, it was like here, here's the impression of the guy before he gets hit with the fan cam, and then after he gets hit with the fan cam. And so there's just such a juxtaposition of that person who is kind of miserable during a timeout <laughs> yeah. at 94 degrees. Yeah. His popcorn is everywhere. But put that freaking fan cam on, oh man, life is ch- life is good, <laughs> baby. <laughs> like it is like Arsenio 1992. Yes. So it was just that kind of feeling. Like there's got to be some sort of joke there. And what I will do is I will get up and in a raw spot, I'll put a couple of jokes or stories that kill, and then I'll go to a piece of raw material like that, uh-huh. and then I'll find where I can hear. And I'm like, okay, that's where I got to go in at it. Yes. Another one is, and this one was me feeling really stupid. ESPN called and said, hey, we want you to <laughs> we want you to come on and be interviewed during the entire second quarter of the Arkansas basketball game. I'm a diehard Razorbacks fan. Mm-hmm. Football, basketball, baseball. And I was like, great. And I did national sports talk show for a long time. I feel like I'm pretty educated in sports. And always, being a fan being someone who studied the games, especially football, baseball, and basketball. Yeah. Don't know a lot about NASCAR. They won't put me on NASCAR. I, yeah. don't, I don't know anything. I don't me act ne- like I do. Me neither. Car yeah. goes fast. Yeah. <laughs> Try not to wreck, you yeah. know? Yeah. And so I go on and I'm, I'm, I'm looking stuff up and like researching the players uh, and all my players I know, but I think we're playing LSU and I'm checking out. And so I'm really looking to get some cred, some ESPN cred, yeah. which I haven't had in a while because it's either country music or American Idol or, you know, I have my new show, Breaking Bobby Bones. And so I'm like, oh, I'm really going to give me some sports cred here. And they're like, all right, coming up next, we're going to talk to Dancing with the Stars champion, Bobby Bones. And it shows me in a leotard <laughs> with my hands down like this. <laughs> like this was my shot. Yes. I'm ready to be a man again. Of all the pictures. And I'm fully leotarded up and the tea's going to the next break. And we we come back and I'm like, I'm really going to talk some basketball here. I mean, I'm, I was uh, talking with Co- Coach Musselman like two days before. And they're like, okay, so what was better, like the jive or the tango? And I'm like, oh my God. This is what we're doing. This is a, like, <laughs> so they, and so I started to just get ripped on Twitter. I mean, I look and I'm doing, and I can't commentate on the game because it's about a 20 second delay. 
So I can't see anything that's going on. So I'm at the mercy of these commentators that want to talk about the tango. Oh, my God. And so it's just people just crushing me on Twitter. Like, (laughs) why do we have some dance champion from a show of washed up celebrities during a bat. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm not washed up. I never even been washed. Like I've not done anything. Like, and so it's like that scenario was so funny to me that I made that note just so I wouldn't forget it. So I could go out and kind of talk and then see where the points are. Yes. God. Yeah. There's a lot of points to probably go off of. It sucked. That. It's cause they were, I was just so pumped. Like finally, uh, like dudes are gonna be like, "That's my guy. That's my dude. That's a dude right there." <laughs> yeah. And instead, it's like me in like a full, uh, like like a red leotard, like glistening in the light. Does that picture exist? I'm sure I can pull okay. it up. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, and then the other one that I yeah, had here, yeah, and yeah. I'll be quick. I was you're good. I was working at the Opry. Um, I executive produced the Opry TV show on Circle Network, yep. and I. Um, hosted and will perform every few weeks out there. And it, my grandmother was like probably a lot of our grandmothers. If you're in country music was a big Opry fan. And so we listened to her on the radio. We watched it on TNN. Like I grew up when I was a young kid, just hating it. Cause I was like, I don't want to listen to this, but then really understanding and loving it because mostly it was just me and her. Mm-hmm. And the first time, cause she adopted me for a long time. And the first time that I Played the Opry, I covered a joke, which you don't do as a comedian, but I covered a joke. It was her favorite joke. And so, you know, being a part of the Opry has always been super special to me. And so I, I, I've played it, you know, near 20 times. I've hosted the show. I mean, I've probably been on that stage 150 times, mm. maybe, maybe 100 overall with all the TV appearances and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they had me, they said, hey, we need you to cover for Reba because she's going to do a wardrobe change from this Opry show to like a thing for NBC. I was like, okay, cool. So I'll go out and I'm doing eight minutes of comedy and eight turns into 12. And they're in my ear and they're like, hey, we need you to go five more minutes. Just to throw that on me is a lot. Yes. And I'm like, wow. And so finally they're like, okay, like 18 minutes later, they're like, Reba's here. And I see Reba from the corner of the stage. And she looks at me and she points at me and she goes, uh-huh, uh-huh. And I go, oh my God, I'm about to be invited to be a member of the Opry. I was like, this is the moment I've been waiting for. And she, and she comes to me and it's like slow motion and like I'm starting to get kind of emotional because I've been waiting for this my whole life to be a member of the freaking Grand Ole Opry. All these hours, all these nights. I, I, I And Reba looks and she goes, she, she gets closer to me and she goes, that's so funny. That's why you deserve to be here. And I was like, I do deserve to be here. This is, and, and I'm starting to think about my grandmother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'm starting to think, oh, she'd be so proud. I wish you were alive. But I, for sure, she's like watching down on me right now. Reba, she opens her arms to give me a big old hug. And I'm like, and I'm being, adu- I'm being invited by Reba. Yeah, yeah. Like of all the people, it's freaking Reba. It's Reba. And she hugs me and she goes, all right, I'm here. You can go off to the side of the stage now. <laughs> <laughs> Wipe those tears. I did not get invited to be a member of the Opry. I bet that, that real deal probably hurt. Too. But, and she didn't oh. know that. She was yeah, literally right. just changing clothes. Yeah. But when I walked off stage, it hurt, right? I, like I was stabbed in the sternum. But I took my phone out and I went, Reba inviting you to operate. <laughs> yeah, me. First day. First day. Tra- you got to find the pain. You got to find the pain. Timing. I can't find the leotard pick, but I did find this. Well, one. see, that's okay, that, that's a prime example of something that they would probably have put up. Where I'm in a pair of really tight You're red velvet great, pants. So look at you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my come on, right Bob. Yeah, I missed that version of me. Um, now I'm married, and I don't have to do that anymore. So <laughs> same. Um, <laughs> but I did win that dang show. So yes, you did. Thank oh, you, yeah. thank you. But that was my ESPN experience. I was really ready. I was ready to be that dude again, you know. <sighs> and uh, I wasn't. <laughs> get, let's get this man another chance <laughs> on ESPN. <laughs> Hey, um, I, I wanted to ask you about, uh, before asking you about Breaking Bobby Bones, I wanted to ask you about the show you did with Bear Grylls. Mm-hmm. How was that experience? Awful, but awesome. Meaning, I don't like adventure. I'm good. Like, I, I <laughs> yeah, I'm good. More dancing with the stars than adventure. I, I hate dancing. I yeah. hate adventure. Um, it was tough for me because I don't need an adrenaline rush. Like, I, yeah, yeah. For me, not a big skydiver. And I did once because I was scared to death. But, they invited me to come on that show and I said, okay, I flew to Norway, scared to death the whole time, scared to death the entire time, lived, went off, it's all, it all this crazy stuff. Bear's the nicest guy. Like we kept a relationship after that episode and I was like, I'm never doing that crap again. And so they called and they said, Hey, we'd like to have you back again. I was like, I'm going to pass. I, there's not, I have no yeah. story to tell. <laughs> yeah. And part of it was you go on there and you're scared. And luckily we were the highest rated episode of that season. My episode there was. And I was like, man, that's cool. I'm going out in style like that. Yeah, like, I'm yeah. going on it. We were the highest rated episode, the end. And they said, 
well, can you do another episode? I said, guys, I don't have any story. Like I went on, told them like how I grew up as a poverty kid. My mom died early. My dad left, you know, all what they wanted, but what's true, like my story. Yes. And I said, I have nothing else to tell you. And they said, well, will your wife come on with you? And she does not want to do anything public. Yeah. Yeah. We have a scale now where I say it's a eight out of 10. She'll do it with me. Yeah. But anything seven below, she has no interest in just being on screen, on camera. Yeah. She's not trying to build an Instagram following. She oddly has one and she posts like once a week. Right. You know? Um, and so I, I said, hey, they, they, they wanted her to do it with me. And so I went to her and said, hey, do you want to do this show? And she had been in some therapy, luckily, that day. And her therapist had told her, and I hope she doesn't mind me saying this, I think she said it on the air, that if you're going to take all the bad stuff from his job, like you should every once in a while take one of the good things. And because she had a pretty, she still has it pretty rough sometimes um, because she doesn't vo- voluntarily put herself out there and she gets crushed, yeah, just yeah. crushed. Yeah, it's got to be tough. And so she was like, you know what? As a good exercise for me, I'll commit to it. And I was like, wow, I really thought she would say no. And I was mm-hmm. going to get out of it too. <laughs> and she was like, yes. And so they pay you like 50 grand to do that show. Yeah. And so I was like, dang, and we'll make some money doing it. I said, great, I'm in. Yeah. Um, and so we went and we did it and she was better at it than I was. And I was scared the whole time, but bear's great and I'll never do it again. So I, so they say, so I say, <laughs> but I don't, I don't like adventure or hide. So I don't like any of that. What sucks is I did a whole show about that. Yeah. yeah, you know? that's, yeah. See, that's what I was going to ask about. Like, um, what was, what, what's the scariest thing you had to do on the show? What do well, you, what I don't do like have? heights. Yeah. And that show to me, when I first created it, wasn't about me just being scared all the time. It was about me meeting people that have overcome crazy obstacles. Yeah, yeah. Which we all have, which I have myself in, in a lot of different ways to get to where they are. And mm-hmm. getting to where they, you know, getting to find fulfillment isn't about being rich or it's about just like feeling like there's a purpose in your life and you're actually meeting it. Mm-hmm. And so my goal was to meet these people and kind of see what got them from A to B. But it turned into a lot of these people had some crazy backstories and they were, they were doing wild jobs mm. right now that allowed them to find their fulfillment. And so it was kind of like jackass meets dirty jobs meets uh, Anthony Bourdain yeah. meets Deanne was a move that bus home makeover where we were able to really help somebody in their life. Yeah. Um, and so we had this show and it turned into me, I had to go hang over the Grand Canyon 5,000 feet, 4,800 feet, whatever it was, on a rope. No. On a single rope. I hate heights. I do too. And I had a mic, you know, that I'm on my shirt. I'm mic'd up. And Caitlin, my wife, can hear me in her ears um, because she couldn't get on set unless she had a job because it was COVID. And so she did some YouTube videos and all of a sudden she was my my, my stylist. Yes. You know, she she knew how to do hair and makeup. We were good to go. Yes. And so, but she was crying because I was so scared. Like I was... I mean, I couldn't talk. I was like, I got it. And you see in that, ep- it's episode one. Yeah, it's, it's on to, Disney Plus now. It. It's on episode one. Um, you see my foot trembling. I don't remember my foot trembling, but I remember feeling like every part of me was trembling. So there were times when I was extremely scared, but I fought through it all. My goal would be to do a different show <laughs> with Nat Geo next. Honestly, yeah, I, I yeah. haven't said that anywhere yet. Yeah. Because we've been talking about, you know, do we want to do season two? If we are, it's not going to be for the next couple of months because everything costs so much right now with COVID compliance. You got to send people out. They got to be quarantined in hotels. And yeah. if we do another show, oh God, there it is. you know, I would. It called I'll, Broke yeah, Bobby Bones. Yeah. <laughs> or like hanging out at the most luxurious hotels with Bobby Bones yeah. or something like that. Yes. I love Nat Geo, but if they were to say, let's do something different, because I think we're going to work together for a while. Um, let's do something. I would go love it. Let's do something different. So were you cleaning underneath? Is that what that so was? So there's a sky bridge that goes over Yeah, yeah. and somebody has to get on a rope and climb oh, up the rope. Fuck no. And climb the, bo- <laughs> and clear, clean the bottom of the glass. I hate heights too. And the older I get, the more I hate it. Like we went to the Grand Canyon when I was in high school and I remember loving to stand up close to it. My dad being so, so like, get back here. And now the thought of standing where I was standing. Yeah. I, I can't, that makes it sucks. Me, it makes, sucked. Yeah. We're watching clips now. It sucked. Yeah. No. Well, I'm going to go watch all of breaking Bobby bones. Um, thanks for coming on here. Dude. No, I've I appreciate enjoyed, it. I've enjoyed getting to talk. No, we haven't really talked, but I've really enjoyed this. Thank I, you. You just slid in my DMS and I was like, yeah, sure. I mean, listen, I, I think did. what, I think what you do is great. Thanks. And there was really no other way. I think we were going to, 
get together unless it was purposeful. Yeah. Because either I'm on the road shooting something on the weekends or I'm at home in my bed. I am not, I don't go out and do to shows unless I'm playing the show. Cause I'm good. Yes. Like I live it. Yes. And so I was not going to see you. Yeah, I'm not right. going to write with you. Right. And I don't go to events. Right. No, it, so it, it we just, to, this wasn't like, going to happen. This it, was it. It had to be like this. Well, I'm, th- I'm thankful for making the time to do this for sure. Um, yeah. Well, maybe I'll see you on another time. I we'll doubt it, but together. still, hey, wasn't this good? <laughs> I'll see yeah. you. I'll see you. This is the one and only Ernest and Bobby Bones. <laughs> only time yes. you'll see us in the same room. I have to now go to, not that you care. I do But care. this is timed so perfectly. By the way, the parking out here is terrible. I had to do, a, this is reference. I couldn't ever reference this to the Opry because some people would get it and some wouldn't. But I had to do an Austin Powers and get into the parking spot. Yeah. Because you know when he's on this, the, the whatever the ice yes. machine, he's like, D-d-d-d-d-d. and somebody was watching me the entire time yeah. in a massive truck. Mike G. <laughs> and I wasn't as embarrassed about me doing it, but I was embarrassed that someone had to see me pull up six inches and back four inches and up six inches and back three. And so, and then right as I finished, he walked out and was like, hey, man. And I was like, hey, no, good to see you, man. This is so easy to park to. So Keith Urban pulled up in his Batmobile and had to park the same way. Well, we're a lot alike in many ways then. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, where, yeah, where are you going? Are you I doing? have a meeting at my management company, Red Light Management, about a TV project that I am so close to landing. But here's what happens. Most things I get close. This is just a general. This is how this world works. You get so close and you don't. Mm. And that has to happen a lot of times until you do. Mm-hmm. And I think people now look at me and go, dang, dude, you're killing it. If you just knew the amount of failure that I go through yeah. every single day. Yes. And I don't say that as like a woe is me, but I think people at time, like my narrative, not changed by me, but has been changed by others. It's like, well, look at you, fancy boy. You got two, you're an American Idol. You got two TV shows. You got the radio. It's like, man, if you guys knew the <laughs> amount of rejection that I had to go through to get here yeah. and that I still go through every single day and I have a feeling that I'm about to get rejected again <laughs> in this meeting <laughs> yeah. and I'm so close to landing this job, but I just feel that's probably not going to happen. And so hopefully when, when this comes out, I don't know if you go weekly or um, maybe a couple of weeks. Sure. Maybe by then I will have this job, but probably I won't. Well, I hope you do. Thank you. And thanks for all the you job do. is hosting this podcast. These, these, yeah. This whole thing <laughs> yeah. was we want to replace Ernest. He so. said, this is just me yeah, and Bobby now. <laughs> well, good luck. Thanks for everything you do for Nashville and music in general. Thanks, man. Appreciate yeah. appreciate you guys. Thank you, man. Good talk. I wonder what I'm going to get in trouble for for this. I never know. I walk out of the room from everything. I think we kept it pretty tame. I don't we'll do it a, under a million. Under I don't million. do a lot of interviews of me. Because I never do print interview because they can twist those words any way possible. Yeah. Um, I don't do a lot of interviews where I come in and just sit and be interviewed because, one, I like to treat that somewhat precious. And, two, I feel like people don't care. So it's a nice mix of people don't care and being precious about yeah. it. So it was really cool to come over here and just talk about stuff that's yeah, fun I had to a blast. talk about. So I, so I appreciate that. Thank you. And thank you, guys. And uh, Hell yeah. We'll, yeah, the jokes are going. We'll see you next time. All, All right, right everybody. You. Adios. Just being earnest. Just being earnest, just being earnest, just being earnest, a little